Right, it's officially glorious garden weather. We can feel those evenings getting warmer and longer. It's the vibes we want. Smirnoff Vodka have really gone and said a massive hello to summer with their brand new flavor range. You can literally taste the flavors of summer with not one, but two new vodka flavors, mango and passion fruit twist and raspberry crush. Simply top with lemonade and garnish how you like. Go wild and up your garnish game. I like plenty of petals. Grab your mates, your shades, and sip in those early summer evenings. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. What did you eat this week? What did you drink this week? What did you put in your mouth this week? What did you eat this week? With Chase Okay, welcome back to What Did You Eat This Week with me, James Kavanagh. Today I have Miss Anne Doyle. Anne Doyle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Lovely to see you, James. Lovely to see you too. And thank you so much for the champagne, which you poured for me on arrival. Will we clink? Cheers. I made that earlier. <laughs> now, before we get into it, which is all about food and drink, although I usually ask people, what did you eat this week? I might ask you what you drank this week. I think that's more of an appropriate question. Would we oh, agree? that's so hurtful. <laughs> How well do you know me? <laughs> Very. Uh, a little champagne. Yeah. Because it's extremely good value at the moment, 20% off. Yeah. Says the thrifty shopper. Uh, wouldn't, of course, we're having champagne every day, James, as you'll no. understand, but for you, Just my for dear. Me. Yeah. Um, a considerable amount of vodka. Yeah. Because it's so good for the constitution at a certain time in life. Um, um, a little brandy with the sneaky Baileys on the side. Oh, I love a sneaky Baileys. Oh. Do you have a, do you ever have a hot chocolate with Baileys? No, that delight awaits me. Oh, a hot chocolate with a shot of Baileys in it is mm. stunning. But if you're having the brandy, I used to take the devilish, you know, the, the brandy and Baileys. That's too dangerous. It's too irresistible. Yeah. Um, you're as well to take the brandy and I have the Baileys as well. Um, the occasional little cocktail up in Le Perriquet up the street. from I love Le Perriquet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the cocktails are as as evil as they sound saintly. Yeah. You know? you know, you think I'll have one of those. It sounds lovely. Good evil. Mm. Good evil is not. I, I prefer good evil to good good <laughs> in every way of life. I spent a lifetime practicing. <laughs> now, before, yeah, before we probably get into it, I saw you recently with a load of gays and seamen on the sea taking to the high seas. What was that about? That was a, a day out to, um, celebrate, I suppose, people who had participated in the Lady Vader's podcast. Yes. Um, Posy vibes. Exactly. Yes. And, um, his brother Eamon has a boat. Mm. Um, I've actually been over on Lambay Island on that very boat. I'm dying to go there, my dear. And they have llamas, don't they? Or not llamas? Like they're like koalas or something, aren't they? Oh, steady now, not a koala. Okay, I'd never make it. (laughs) But there are. I'll give you a clue. They do hop about a bit. Kangaroos? (laughs) Not quite. The little ones. Mm, I can't think of the name. Come on, we can come to you. Kangaroo, kangaroo. I'm telling you, stay off those cocktails. Yeah, I'm on glass number two of your champagne. Uh, it's, no, it was fabulous. Mm. Um, and we had the opportunity. Wallabies? Wallabies. Wallabies! I knew yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they were brought out there apparently, 
as an overrun from the zoo. From Dublin well, Zoo. I always thought that was an urban legend. No, it's true. I used no, no, to I used true. to work for Dublin Zoo and they told us one day in the I think it was the seventies they had too many of them and they breed like rabbits apparently. So they brought them out there and they made their own colony. It was fabulous actually to get onto Lambay and because Eamon is acquainted with the gentleman who lives in, in the house there. It's okay. one of those arts and crafts mm. houses, so therefore I think it's very difficult to change anything in it because everything is listed. But we got to visit the house as well. It was fantastic. Oh, wow. And we had a picnic and loads of wine and everything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the, the trip, uh, the, the Saturday, about, about four weeks ago, trip was really to thank people who had participated in that podcast. Yeah. And... I'm sure I couldn't resist. I went along for the laugh. Yeah. It looks so much fun. Yeah. We had a great day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great podcast as well. They meet, they have a good message behind it. And the guests they've had on are brilliant as well. And yeah, you and do, then, you, you know, do the intro or something, don't you? Pardon? You do some sort of intro to the podcast or. That's right. I did a little kind of news thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they're, you know, they do it in quite a fun way, but also quite an informative way. And it's a very important message it is so you know it's well worth doing and they really work hard at it mm. in a good way you yeah know? yeah so, yeah but, but we had a great day and we had a we had a little barbecue on the boat and uh, and the lads of course all got into their glad rags and went to the george that night i and where were you i crawled home i didn't crawl home actually <laughs> i crawled to the pub i like a drowned rat uh Underneath his carefully straightened hair. I got a picture of the yeah, hair. You, get, yeah. you saw the hair. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you mean you don't wake up with this poker straight hair? No, no. That, thank God, is Raddick up the street. Thank you, Raddick. <laughs> Shout I, out I to Raddick. I really was quite remarkable <laughs> looking by the time I got back and I was wet to the skin. But I kind of went for it, James. Um, you know, it, it, the sea was rolling and I just said, ah, here, look. I could have kind of sheltered and tried. And I said, ah, look at yeah. I'm out on the briny. Out with mama nature. place to be now today, but I'm out on the mm. briny and I said, look, I'm going to get drenched. I'm going to get drenched. Yeah. And it was an excuse to drink lots of hot whiskeys. Yes. Good. Well, I'd also like to, to mention to anyone who I haven't told already how I first met you. Um, I've told you this before, but I used to be an extra on the Moorbegs. Do you remember the Moorbegs on RTE? I do. Yeah. So I used to go there every Saturday and, uh, I used to, I think I was an extra in a boat on, in one of the studios. And then I met you one day and you were in your iconic red power suit and you were walking down the go corridor. Come on, I tried to kidnap you. <laughs> I wish. And I, I, I so obviously saw you my whole life on the news and there you were walking towards me. You weren't this thing on TV. You're actually a real life person. Where did you... Probably a much larger thing <laughs> in real life. <laughs> a thing all the same. But where did your sense of style come from? Like I always say people who have a good style, they you could make a Barbie doll or an action figure out of them. Like it's a very distinctive thing. And if I was to make an action figure out of you, I'd put you in a red power suit, the blonde bob, where did that come from? Because I know you had brown hair when you first started in RCE. I, had, I was actually... Who made the decision? Was it you? You know in Hollywood they say when, no, say when Betty Davis um, went in, they tried to dye her hair blonde. Jeans, like, how did it happen? The jeans made the decision. Okay. Um, I, I was actually very dark. I, I would have been... Yeah, sort of your color. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, darker even. Mm. Um, uh, and I, I took after, as they say, my father's side of the family. Mm. Uh, so those of us who were very dark uh, went gray very young. I started going grey when I was about 20. Okay. Um, so 
it, it was impossible if you're very dark. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a, a lot of people who have ended up blonde uh, and I hope happy um, <laughs> have gone through phases where they, they lighten their hair a bit and they get a few highlights in to try and deal with the, you know, ever encroaching grey. Uh, and eventually all, all the bits come together. So it's, you haven't got highlights anymore. You've just got blonde. <laughs> but it's much handier because if, if you have, I mean, by the time I was in my early thirties, I'd say, mm. I would have been, you know, quite the silver fox. So yeah. Yeah. So it's much easier to be blonde. And it's, it's. Do they have more fun? Well, I'm fun enough as a brunette too, I'd have to say, but then I was a much younger woman. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's easier to manage and it's kinder to the old face. It's all right for you with your lovely little carob face. Thanks. Thank you. Now, um, food, this is kind of about food. Um, what was the RT canteen like for food when you were there, when you first started? And did you eat there? Or did you bring in your own packed lunch? I ate there in, the earlier years, because we had a, a far less crammed schedule mm. in in my latter years there, I simply wouldn't have had time because we, we inherited um, radio headlines for Lyric at that stage almost on the half hour. Okay. They were alternating between Radio 1. So if you were doing a lot of radio in the afternoon, which I did, you really, if there was a queue or anything, you just wouldn't have time. To eat? You, you wouldn't have time to get over there and get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you'd have a little stretch to get to a studio as well. So, um, I mean, everybody, you know, look, what do people say about canteens? They give out about them. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I mean. I've heard a lot of bad things about it. Was it when all? I used to do a lot of early morning shifts, I would have always had breakfast there and you got a terrific fry up. Mm. Um, and I remember my, my, my old and much missed colleague, Morris O'Doherty, had a great weakness for tripe. And onions. And when I went there first, this was long, long ago in Ireland. Mm. Um, yeah, the canteen used to do tripe and onions. Once really? A week. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was quite a different uh, experience. Now it's quinoa. Well, I mean, my experience of it was good. Well, let me put it this way. Insofar as I could manage to get there, I never faded away, James. That's for sure. <laughs> and how did you get, how did the news come into you? Because now it's like, you know, it's at your fingertips. But say back in the in the seventies or whatever, how did the news actually get into Orti and then to you? Where did it come from? It crept over the wall when you weren't looking. <laughs> uh, it came uh, in terms of well, obviously news gathering in in terms of local national news, yeah, would be acquired from all over the country. The, apart from reporters, uh, there was a very good group of people who worked as stringers. They would work for stringers for the newspapers, and they basically fed. Uh, news from what, anything that was happening. Okay. And they would have been on a very modest retainer. And that was really, you know, it actually worked very effectively because people on the ground tended near all sorts of things. And then foreign news came in to, good Lord, this does sound like, you know, antediluvian. Mm -hmm. uh, it came into what was called the wire room. And that was basically a room full of uh, telexes and it was streams of paper pouring out from Reuters, um, from AFP, and there, somebody would be in there ripping that stuff off. And then if you were lucky, there'd be a copy taster, maybe somebody who would have a lot of experience of foreign news who would go through the stuff to see, you know. To filter it through. You, you would drown in paper. Yeah. Um, and it worked. Yeah. It, well, it sounds like it was a very high-pressured 
environments? Well, there, there was a lot to do. Yeah. I mean, it was a bit like getting up in the morning and having to do all the washing by hand mm. in a tub. Okay. Blue, uh, rinse to whiten your sheets, you know. I mean, the, the job got done, but people had to work quite a lot harder. Now, by the same token, you didn't have the pressure of the immediacy that people have now. Yeah. You know, where they really have to be, uh, tweeting or online or updating all the time. Yeah. I mean, unless there was an extraordinary story in those days, like a really huge story that would run as a breaking story. Other than that, you know, news bulletins went out when they went out. You mm. had to have the information, obviously, uh, and the compilation of that could be tricky enough. But there are other pressures on people now, you know, and they're doing those essays online. And yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, each time brings its own pressures. How yeah. would you think you would do now? Would you, do you prefer what you were, what you did back then compared to now? Well, they had invented the tweet before I left. Oh yeah. But exist. you didn't join. Uh, <laughs> I didn't join because I don't trust myself. Yeah. Uh, if I were working still, um, I think it would be important. You would have to have, um, a Twitter profile, but for work. Mm. Uh, one that, that absolutely locked you out as soon as you left the station <laughs> in case you decided to add a few, you know, fresh opinions late yeah. on in the evening or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think it would, it would be part of the job, but I, I think it's quite difficult. But at the same time, we were quite thorough and I adjusted surprisingly well. I liked the idea of knowing what was going on. Mm. So when I was in studio, I always used, you know, a full fallback so that I could hear everything that was going on outside. And and once we had moved into the world of it being computerized in studio, I always watch things mm. uh, because I've never trusted anybody, including myself. So I, for a woman who would be, you know, a bit of a luddite, I wasn't bad at that. I I, I quite liked knowing what was happening. Mm. I don't like not knowing. Yeah. So that aspect of it suited me, but of course you have to be terribly careful because when there's a lot of time pressure on people and they. They feel they've got to get the tweet out there, or they've got to get... Um, you miss information. It's, it's easy to miss something, or it's easy to misunderstand something, or, you know, misphrase it. Mm. Uh, that, there's that. Uh, but I did find, you know, I, I'm surprisingly competitive, because I, say, doing headlines on radio probably every half hour, uh, I would sometimes pick up, uh, you know, a headline on another station that we hadn't got, say, in Lyric at 4.30 or whatever it was at that stage. Not so many headlines on Lyric now. Um, and I'd be furious about it. I was actually quite surprised because I never would have thought of myself as being overly competitive. competitive. It really yeah. annoyed me. Yeah. You know, and I'd be war. Yeah. <laughs> there would be war, but there you go. What's been the most memorable broadcast you've done? Like, you know, when, when you think of major news moments, there's Princess Diana, obviously. There's, I don't know, the Pope passing or whatever. Is anything that stood it? Maybe it's not a big, huge moment. Maybe it's something small. Uh, well, the Diana thing, I think, was, was just an extraordinary shock to everybody. I suppose it was just, you know, it was, it was such an extraordinary life and, yeah. And I did feel, I suppose we all are kind of thoughts about Diana. Uh, I know you have particularly a name very dear I to do. you. But, um, I, I did feel that she was so much coming into her own. She seemed so happy. She was at the peak of her life. And confident Crime. and absolutely at her most beautiful, if that doesn't sound too trite. She was just gorgeous. Yeah. And, and, 
and for this, and um, I remember hearing the news very early. Did you have to run into studio? Because it was quite early in the morning, yeah, wasn't it? Very early on a Saturday morning. No, in fact, um, my memory of it is, I think it was Anne Casson who was on duty that morning. Uh, but uh, and uh, a friend of mine, Randy, her father had phoned her. And of course, we were straight into conspiracy. Would you ever think of writing a book about your time in the news? No. Definitely not? Not at all. The news is about itself. Okay. And it came and it went and it sometimes casts a long shadow. Uh, and some people have done wonderful uh, books, you know, uh, that I have enjoyed and I admire mm. people who have something very worthwhile to say. Um, I would consider that it was the job that I kind of didn't expect to have. I wasn't so sure I wanted. I do, I do believe that I did it well, and I certainly did it to the best of my ability. And then it was written. And did you ever feel you had to hide behind your persona that people knew and not let the real you out? Or did you find ways to let the real you out? Ah, she often escaped. (laughs) (laughs) Has she been found? I I did my best. I did my best to keep her in. But, you know, sometimes Minnie the Minx makes her way out. (laughs) So... You know, obviously, high high pressure job. How did you let off steam? Where did you go out for food? Where did you go out for drinks um, on the weekends? Any places around Dublin that you were very fond of? Listen, I went anywhere that I could get food and drink. If I were to pick, I was very lucky to have a friend who was in business, a very generous friend who was in business for a long time down near the uh, much-missed Le Frere Jacques. And that was a treat, but we used to sometimes go there for very long, late lunches. Mm. Um, my old friend Sean McRaymond and I would go upstairs over Foley's, and we would be, or we'd go to the arts club and have, you know, they used to do a lunch, then bacon and cabbage, or we'd go into a Donahue's and have a huge plate of ham sandwiches and loads of drink. And, you know, sometimes they were the most enjoyable things. And then I quite like, Spicy food, so I quite like uh, Indian? a lot of Indian cooking. Love an Indian. Yeah. Uh, where's your favourite Indian in Dublin? I do you know. I was reminiscing the other day um, about one of the old libels. I loved it, but it's regrettably long gone. The Taj Mahal down in in Lincoln Place. Never been. Uh, yeah, it's, it's probably gone before. Would be gone before your time, but it's a great place. I like, uh, even though I'm a greedy devil, but I do like restaurants that do maybe uh especially even say maybe once a month if they do uh, a tasting menu i love a tasting tasting menu menu. yeah and then if you're really lucky you get one you can get one that you can match the wines yes and you'd be a great form after that (laughs) (laughs) i had one last week it was a six course and you got six glasses of wine oh where'd you go heaven it's called six by six by nico it's a new one on um moldsworth street and somebody mentioned that to me yeah he basically takes the theme so his theme this time this time round is chipper so he'll do chipper but in a really highbrow way way so it's all kind of um bits and bobs you'd expect from a chipper but you get a good glass of wine with each course and not you know the way some people are a bit bit skimpy with glasses of wine this is a good good glug of wine oh yeah you're talking my kind of language here yeah and i like now um because i think it's great fun uh, I like Las Tapas de Lola. Oh yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, I think it's lovely, and there's a, it's always a great atmosphere. And let 
McGratton's beef and Guinness pie is spoken of with four. I and love respect. a beef and Guinness pie. I haven't mm. had McGratton's though. I had, I had one the other day. It was the special on the day, mm. and it was, it was absolutely delicious. But there's a great fellow down there. There's Khalid in the kitchen, and then there's a fellow Dan McGratton, and he's mighty cook. Who's Dan? <laughs> he's a great cook. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> we die with hunger. <laughs> so, would you be more of an eater outer, or? And, you know, someone would cook for you or how, how do you go about the week? Are you more of a grazer? I, uh, I shouldn't actually complain because I've seen too many people struggle uh, with eating if, if they're not well or whatever. I, I have a, a voracious appetite and my, my eating habits are not too bad at all. Mm. Except that I eat far too much. And do you, are, are you very methodical about, like, would you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Or would you have, like, a, maybe a massive breakfast, not eat then for no, late I at night? Are you strict with time? I don't care. Go away and tell other people they should eat their breakfast. If I eat a breakfast, I am starving for the rest of the day. I know. It, like, unlocks the hunger. And that's it. That's good luck. You know? Yeah. So say I got, and I get up reasonably early, usually. So say I had a kind of an early breakfast. Mm. By half ten, eleven o'clock. You want the I also have the kind of appetite that I could eat a dinner in the morning. Yeah. Do you know, I don't, I don't seem to have, um, the, the, the sort, you know, the way people who might manage a bit of scrambled egg. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. But then if you're the youngest of a large family, you don't have time for that kind of thing. Uh, like, um, we had a consignment of lamb stew, something I'm particularly fond of, mm. uh, in the fridge here recently. And not only did I eat lamb stew for breakfast, but didn't even heat it. <laughs> I just ate it. You've been bold, but uh, well, I'm not. I have a whole damn thing for breakfast two days, girl. No, I'm I just here said with I don't yeah. eat breakfast, but that doesn't really count. <laughs> so breakfast. lamb stew for breakfast, <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. Well, I don't. I'm not one to follow rules of how you should eat. Like I would love breakfast sometimes for dinner. Like I'd have a fry for dinner. I'm not one a to fry, follow the a rules. Fry sometimes of an evening. Oh, mm. stunning! And maybe a few chips. Yeah, yeah. My late sister used to make God rest her, who was a very good kind of play and cook and you know one of those people that will serve food very nicely yeah she obviously took those skills um but she, she was a great woman for doing uh lovely fry in the evening and you know oh the egg would be lacy mm. you know the bacon would be crisp and she'd always have a couple of spuds over and they would be nicely fried oh, nice delicious. crispy fried potatoes yeah yeah Little bit of tomato. Yes. Oh, I love a fry for dinner. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe an old chop on the side if you were lucky, <laughs> or a little well, side mean, of lamb stew. To, you know, that's where chop. That was the origin of chop houses. People used to dine in their chop houses or whatever and whatever else was going. Now, I did actually, in honour of the arrival of yourself, mm. I did today purchase up the road, the local bar, a takeaway breakfast. Oh, in a bag. Oh, very nice. Two fried eggs, three rashers, one sausage. Delicious. The nuns, the Loretta nuns would have killed me <laughs> because I was so starving that as I was crossing Leeson Street Bridge, I breached the bag. Fry <laughs> <laughs> on the go. I polished off a couple of the rashers on the way. <laughs> I, I love a rasher on the go. Oh, yeah, no, it was, you know, but I mean, that was one thing that was ginned into us. Never eat on the street. I don't usually, actually, but... I look probably rather pitiable beating my way through the storm with the rasher. Is that Anne Doyle eating a rasher on Leeson Street? <laughs> <laughs> I 
and clutching the bag very, very close. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you be one to snack? Are you into crisps, chocolate, that kind of no. thing? No. No, my eating habits, as I say, are quite good if I have the amount. Yeah. That's my downfall. Okay. Um, um, and I, t- in latter times, I've taken to eating a lot more fish. When I was growing up, um, even though we were near enough to the sea, really, but fish wasn't really available the way it is now. Mm. Um, I mean, I remember on Fridays, uh, the herring lorry used to come round. Herring lorry? A herring lorry. We'd come around the country, you see. But, you know, the, the country places were country places. Mm. And there certainly wouldn't be, there was no fish shop in the village or anything like that. And you come to think, you probably came around on a Thursday. So you would have herrings, maybe, for your dinner on Friday. No meat day, you see. Mm. And, or, but you'd have them for tea, like, dipped in a bit of flour, fried on the pan, gorgeous. Um, a bit of salmon. Salmon sometimes appeared in mysterious ways. That was one of the advantages of being in country place. <laughs> uh, but there wouldn't have been a lot of fish. Yeah. Now, Which I, is odd. We're in islands. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, it, 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 going back a while. Yeah. yeah. But they were there. It's just we didn't go near them, I think, as much as we do now. Yeah, well, there are always conflicting views as to how we, and I know there were historic reasons, but how we did so badly, and um, seaboard communities did so badly in famine, mm. you know, when the seas were teeming. But, uh, but I mean, there, that's, a, that's a complex issue, I realise that. Mm. Um, but um, I've taken to eating a lot more fish now, and I had... I had lemon sole yesterday. Love lemon sole. And it was absolutely. Beautiful. I love a caper berry. Are you fond of capers? Oh, yes. Love. I love a vinegary kind of taste with Do fish. You? Yeah. yeah. Lemony, vinegary. I love with fish. And would fish. you like crisps now in that class of thing? I love crisps. Yeah. And to be honest, the cheaper, the better. I love meanies. Are you, do you like meanies? There's a lot to be said in, in life for the cheaper, the better, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it works out very well. When, when I was, I was in boarding school and, uh, you know, your staple, not your staple fare, but your treat treat was, you know, crisps and chocolate. And, mm. um, I, I'd say I gorged on those. I not, wouldn't be that mad on the, on the snacking now. But yeah. Scallops I'm very fond of. I love a scallop. Yeah. Mm. Love a scallop. Would you just hit the pan with it? Yes. Yeah. Butter. Yeah. Yeah. Just quickly. Yeah. I got lovely ones somewhere recently and they, Actually, in the ivy, which I haven't been in very often, but they did with just a little bit of crispy bacon. Oh, mm. very, very nice. Bacon and fish is a good combo. It was very, very nice. I have to say, it was delicious. Um, holidays. Where do you like to go? We were talking about this recently. You know, place things you'd love to do, and I got the shock of my life. Um, I think I really think I do same, but I looked up um, the Orient Express which starts running again, apparently, in all going well, obviously, in the One month, of my dreams. In the month of March. Are you going to talk about the price? I think it's, my God I almighty. know. <laughs> I mean, never mind the food and the drink. I know he had a heart attack. It's like two and a half grand for a night, isn't it? It was, I looked up the, I think you, the one I looked up, you flew, you ended in Venice. And it was just an overnighter. Would you have gone Paris to Venice, maybe? Paris to Venice, I think yeah. It was Paris to yeah. Venice, yeah. It was thousands and thousands. Yeah, it's, it's about four grand, I think. I think it was from, about, from, it was in or around four. I mean, so like. That's 24 hours. Ah, no. 
Yeah. No, I mean, you know, unless you had acquired the 19 million lotto or whatever, uh, I mean, it was, I I assumed, I didn't think I was going to go on, that, on the Orient yeah. Express, quite honest. Uh, but I thought it might be one of the, these things that if you really, really set your heart on you could maybe do it. Okay, who would your dream dinner guests be, dead or alive? You can pick six. Oh, wow. Oh, well, let's stick with live. Okay, live. If we can. Well, no. Um, that's a bit of a poser, you know. Because mm. you'd like them not to kill each other, but maybe to spark off each other, wouldn't you? Yeah. And, like, I think sometimes people rush to, like, intellect and intelligent people, but sometimes you want to have a good time. very boring. Exactly. I think I'd like... Um, I mean, he's an obvious one. Forgive me. But I'd like Graham Norton. Yeah, he'd be great. Have you ever met him? I've, no, I've spoken to him um, over the airwaves, so okay. to speak. That, that's, that's my little claim yeah. to fame. But, uh, yeah, I think I would absolutely question. Let's just take this in order of lust. <laughs> Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. His son is quite a well-known actor, I believe. Okay. Kiefer. Kiefer. Kiefer Sutherland, yes. Okay. Yes, well, I mean, it wouldn't mean anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> I am a huge fan of Donald Sutherland. Okay. The best that can be said for Kiefer is this is resembling. Now, you'll, you'll totally have to forgive me here. I don't know who this is. I'm going to have to Google. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Canadian actor. Canadian actor. Okay, let's Clute see. Jane. Oh, hello. Yes, darling. Yes. Oh, into oh, yes. that. Yeah, oh, he's, yes. he's at the table. Oh, he's... He he's on the, the table. table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who else? Okay. Out of sheer curiosity, and you'll forgive me uh, lumping them all together. Gosh, love is an unattractive word. Because I don't really know one from another. One of the Kardashians. Oh, yeah, which one? I don't know, you see. I mean. Kim is probably the most famous one and also probably knows the most. She's the one with the biggest ass? She's the one with the biggest ass, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think Chris would be fun. I know she's Jenner, but she's the mum of them all. So she'd have the stories on everyone. Don't be able for her. Really? No. Okay. That that exquisite boy with the porcelain complexion and the limpid Me? brown eyes. She. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Thank you. I think nothing of it. <laughs> porcelain skin. You heard it here first. Putting that on my CV. Now, we really have to have somebody from history, don't we? Mm. Because I want to know if she were really as interesting as she would appear to have been. Maud Gon. Maud Gon? Who's that? Uh, Maud Gon was the muse of WB Yeats. And let's see. I think you have one more. more. Janice Chaplin. Okay. God, I hope Donald Sutherland doesn't put his eye on any of them. The worry of it already. <laughs> It'll be like, where's where's Anne and Donald? They're they're missing the starter. No, Maud Gon <laughs> and Donald are missing. Oh no! And final question comes in from a listener. Oh, hi Anne. Um, I've got a really urgent question for you today. Um, so the question on everyone's lips is, what is your favorite sauce of all time? Um. You know, you can tell us your favorite brand, flavor, 
consistency and then also can you talk us through how you would serve the sauce is it kind of like an aramican dipping or do you want like a jug or do you want a bowl of sauce and like what is the amount of sauce that you would like with your meal do you drench it do you dip it um yeah that's the question um there's no judgment and yeah love you lots bye that comes in from an Ulwyn kelly from rathfarnham here's a question mm. is this a sauce that has to be made at home it doesn't no it can be a sauce that's served in a restaurant equally could you kind of sheet yeah and not make it like quite a sauce could you make it like a lime pickle yeah we can have a lime pickle and if I were to have just a nice sauce, kind of for old time's sake and for nursery food, what we got with our bacon and cabbage, bit of parsley sauce. Oh, parsley sauce. Bit of parsley sauce, a very nice lad. You can't yeah. be parsley no, sauce. No, 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 you've got all your fancy sauces and all the rest of it. You just pass that. I don't mind in the least if it comes in a bowl or a bucket or a bottle or anything at all. It'll be grand. <laughs> what about uh, pepper sauce or gravy? Are you into those sauces at, at all? Pepper sauce, I wouldn't be mad about. Never went mad on it. And I like, okay. I like peppers. Mm. Um, oh, nice gravy. Oh, great. Scrapings of the roast and tin and all of that. Oh, deglaze the pan. Yeah. Well, somebody does. Mm. All of these things done so magnificently by other people. I just, I am grateful. I say, thank you. <laughs> I'll have another bit of that gravy there. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, Anne, thank you so much for doing this podcast. What did you eat this week with me, James Cavanagh? It's been a pleasure. Pleasure is mine. And I will see you again. You edible creature. <laughs> and now, before I let you sexy bitches go, it is time for... William's Food Fact of the Week. Right, what are you serving us up this week, William? So, I would like to set all your listeners... Listeners. Listeners. Remix. I'd like to set all your listeners a simple experiment. Go for it. So using your phone, sound record yourself pouring two different liquids into a glass or cup, one hot and one cold. Play this recording back to someone and ask them to pick which sound of pouring liquid is which. The human ear is actually sensitive enough to pick up on the slight change in the liquid's viscosity as it changes temperature. Hot water is less viscous than cold, which means that the splash it makes when it hits the bottom of the glass or mug is a tiny bit splashier and thus higher pitched. It sounds nicer. Yeah. I can, I can tell if I'm pouring a kettle if it's been left there for, say, 15 minutes. It doesn't make that sound that boiling water makes. I feel like every conversation with you leads back to you making tea. Anyway... This finding has practical applications in advertising. For example, as well as drinks dispensers, your super coffee could be made to seem piping hot or your soda even more cool and refreshing. Blindfolding guests and handing them a cold drink while playing the sound of a hot one. The result with the sound would put the idea in your mind, the expectation that it's going to be very hot. And then when you put it to your lips and it's suddenly cold, you'll be shocked. <gasps> and you probably won't know quite why, but... You'll be shocked. What a little prankster you are, William. Yeah. So there's two little experiments you can you can play at home, listeners. Go off, listeners, and prank your friends. Go off, friends. Bye, William. Bye-bye. What did you eat this week?